Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. If you turn in that Bible to the, get a load of this now, the 153rd verse, there's only one place to go after I say that, right? Psalm 119, all right? There's only one place to go after you say 153rd verse. And today we talk about, listen, I was, uh, this is my story. I was uh, in a meeting yesterday, which, you know, uh, it was an academic meeting, which if you want to know how to really seriously irritate Matt Friedman, just send him to an academic meeting where literally all day long I'm listening to papers being read. Um, now, it's a pretty important topic and actually pretty interesting papers too, but still, oh my word, just from beginning to end. And then the night before that, it was the same thing. So uh, I was trying to do a sermon uh, during that time. Let me be productive. I'm just not very good at being productive at sermons when I'm supposed to be listening to something else and I know it. But they don't know. You know, you're there tapping away. They don't know if you're not taking notes on them, which I definitely was not doing. Anyway, so... But I'm having a tough time putting a sermon together. It's going to be an outstanding sermon if I just kept going with it on uh, Psalm 101. But I was last night with my wife, and we were in our house, and, and I'm thinking, I'm going to bed. I don't like this. While I'm in bed, I say, Jesus, what could I do? What should I do? And uh, so he said, well, there's a certain little something going on this week that probably wise to talk about because every church wants it. Every, every, every nation of the world that loves Jesus wants it. And uh, that thing is called revival. Anybody ever heard of the thing? Now, that word has a lot of negative connotations to it. I was told that this morning by one of my children. Um, but uh, they said, but you know, as negative connotations as some around here have it, he said, nonetheless, I'm utterly convinced that God is in this mix in a serious way and He's making stuff happen. Now, I want you to know, there's revival and there's revival. I think this church has always been, and you always will be significantly in revival if you are spending time daily, each of us daily, individuals daily in the Word of God, in prayer, and you're finding a way to be faithful to this church and its meetings, and you're finding a way to get outside of this church into ministry. That is a kind of revival that most churches never experience, even after they've had revival. So I want to commend you for that kind of revival. Dayspring, we have been in revival, and we've been in revival a long time just by that. So, yeah, clap for the person next to you saying, way to go, revivalist guy. (laughs) Having said that, uh, I looked around in the Bible for the word revival, and it's not really there much. Um, But... The word revive is three times in one paragraph in Psalm 119. So if you look there, Psalm 119, I said uh, uh, verse 153, and this is what it says. Look at my affliction and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your law, which of them was the Bible. Plead my cause and redeem me. Here we go. Revive me according to your word. Now, could you say that with me right now? Revive me according to you. Say it a little bit louder with conviction now. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, Lord. 
Revive me according to your judgments. Say that with me now. Revive me according to your judgments, which are God's judgments, his rules, his ordinances. And by the way, anybody here that says, I don't know if I like God the judge or not. That kind of scares me. Don't be scared. The judge is the one that sets things right. You want someone like that in your life, don't you? I want to set some things right in your life. And yeah, sometimes it might be tough. Sometimes it might be really like, whoo, that's a relief. He wants to set things right. And that's the kind of judge I want in my life. Then it continues on. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. Yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and I loathe them because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, Lord, according to your, and the word here is hesed, love. We're going to say the word straight up love this morning for faithfulness. So let's just do that. Revive me, Lord, according to your love. Now let's say it like we kind of mean it. Revive me, Lord, according to your love. Now we're going to say all three of those things together right now. It's revive me according to your word, revive me according to your judgments, revive me according to your love. Let's say it together, all three. Number one, revive me according to your word. Number two, revive me according to your judgments. Number three, revive me, Lord, according to your love. Do you believe he can do that? We believe he can make us come alive and alive like never before by his love. By his faithfulness, his unfailing love, his hesed love, by his word. Lord, we pray that you'll do that. And the sooner the better around here, we need your revival. In Jesus' name, amen. So this coming Wednesday, uh, probably about three Wednesdays, I'm going to be teaching at Spring University about prayer and fasting. One thing you have to have for revival is... Prayer and fasting. Now, see, a lot of people want revival. They're not quite sure they want to pay the price for revival. There's a price to be paid. Are you serious about seeking after God? And so we're going to talk about that for the next three weeks in Dayspring University. Then I want you to know that uh, March 6th, I believe that's a Monday, we're going to start this 21-day. Kelsey mentioned about this 21 days of prayer. A lot of churches in this nation do that. Uh, they usually do it at the top of January and the beginning of the school year, have 21 days twice a year. We got a late start on it, so we decided Lent wouldn't be a bad time to do that, you know, the days leading up to Easter. So March 6th, Lent has begun, and we're going to come together, get a load of this now. Everybody braced? What in the world is he going to say next? At 6 a.m. here. Monday through Friday, and then at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. And Sunday, we'll just meet together here as a body. And we're going to do that for 21 days. Now, you're looking around saying, dog, you going to that? I'm not, sure I, I'm not so sure I am. That's 6 a.m. Some people won't. Many people won't. But I'd like for you to, if there's any way possible. And some people, that's just, that's just tough schedule-wise. What I'd like for everybody to do is to come for some of those 21 days I'm going to have to miss a couple of them because I got a commitment at 6 a.m. That's a school commitment at that time. So there's going to be a day of the week when I'm not here. But we want you to come, and this is the format. We're going to seek after God with prayer at 6 a.m. by doing the following. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to have a five-minute devotional on prayer. Then we're going to walk around this place and pray. That's it. You say, well, 
there's got to be more to it than that. Nope, that's it. That's the whole format. We're going to do that, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus, and we're going to beg him to bring revival today, spring. Bring revival to Clinton. Bring revival to Jackson Metro. Bring revival to Mississippi. Bring revival, because God knows we need it. Bring revival to America. Now, I was looking up some revival history last night. You know what it said? Revivals always come when it's dark outside. We're ripe for revival. So, the reason we bring this topic up is because in 1970, there came to Wilmore, Kentucky, a revival. You can look it up if you ever look up American revivals. They will talk about this moment in time. 1970, uh, and it's written, uh, the guy, my hero, and a friend of mine, actually, named Robert Coleman, who has sold something like 10 million books, wrote about this, and he talks about it as one divine moment. When heaven came down and touched earth at Hughes Auditorium in Wilmore, Kentucky, that's Asbury University. And some of us have gone to Asbury University. My wife is a graduate from that place. I went to school across the street at the seminary. All my children have gone. Uh, the, 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 all the front row people went. All, every one of the front row people, the, they went to Asbury University. Uh, so we're not saying, hey, yay, Asbury. We're not saying, yay, Asbury at all. All we're saying is, for some reason, 1970, God landed down on Hughes Auditorium. And when you read about revival in America, you will read about that 1970 route. For 144 straight hours, God did something in that building. And it was momentous, and everybody knew. Then, this is what happened. They started sending people out from Asbury. And I know this because I've heard a number of personal testimonies. For instance, somebody came from Wilmore, Kentucky, and went down into a church in the inner city of Jackson called Wells Memorial United Methodist Church. And the pastor at that time, I am the John Case uh, scholar, the John Case chair of evangelism and discipleship. John Case chair. Whenever you're not impressed with me, remember, I am the John M. Case chair of evangelism. I know you're not impressed, but you need to be, okay? I am the John Case. His daddy, Robert Case, pastored there. They sent an emissary from there to that church, and revival broke out at Wells United Memorial Church. My, uh, uh, I'm wearing today, I didn't, didn't know that I just wear, I like these coats, because my friend Crawford Howe gave me this coat. He was dying of cancer. He said, Matt, I'd like to ha- for you to have some of my coats. And I wear, I wear this one, another gray one looks just like it. You know this because I wear them all the time. Uh, but I, the reason I wear them all the time is they, they belong to Crawford. And Crawford mentored me for five years, and then he died of cancer. I love that man. He says, Matt, I was at Olivet Nazarene uh, University, and I was going there. I was a little bit older student, and I remember the day I was there, and two Asbury College students showed up and said, we have just experienced God, heaven touching earth in Hughes Auditorium. Is it okay if we told your chapel about today? And Crawford was sitting there, and two students got up there. They weren't very good speakers. They weren't very impressive, but they just said, this is what Jesus has done in our place. And revival. God filled Olivet Nazarene with himself, and they had revival there. 
And it just kept going for several days. Y'all, I don't know exactly what revival is. All I know is when it comes, God is in the midst. And you say, well, I know that. He's here right now, isn't he? He is. But in a special way, in a way that he chooses, God's in the mix. So on Wednesday of this week, um, they had a chapel message by a guy named McCreese. I don't even know him. My children love him. They love my children. And they pulled my kids in, Zeke and Zay, because he loves them. And he's even asked Zay to join him in some uh, a possible job opportunity uh, in uh, Lexington next year. But Zeke and Zay have been drawn in, and they, they're providing a good bit of the music for this revival, because this is what happened. McCreese got done speaking, and it's over. So everybody go home and go to class. Go home and go to your meal. And no one left. And God fell on Hughes Auditorium. And he, they say, what does that mean? Were there people rolling around on the floor? Were there people speaking in tongues? I mean, what exactly happened? So I've had a number of people. Uh, I'm writing a book with a guy named Tom McCall. He's one of the best theologians in America. Book comes out this summer. He showed me, I just wrote this down for Christianity Today. I'd like for you to read it. You can respond if you'd like. And he wrote a part. So it's already in Christianity Today. It's national news. This thing is going on in Wilmore right now, this morning, today. This is the Sunday. It started Wednesday, and it's been going 24 hours, 24, you know, it hasn't been seven yet. But the 1971 lasted about eight days. They're thinking this could be something like that. They're not counting days. They're not trying to win a revival race or anything. They're just saying, as long as God's here, let's enjoy him. So they're coming from all over the nation now to Hughes Auditorium. People are going there. One of my family members, Elijah, said, man, if it's still going on Thursday, I'm there. Um, I just want you to know there's something special about God showing up. You say, well, he's here, right? Yes, he is. But in a special way, sometimes he chooses to show up. And when it happens, it's a divine moment. And divine moments are precious, precious, precious indeed. And I'd like for us to open up our lives together and prepare for divine moments. It happened in 1970. It's happening today at Asbury. I am grateful for that. In fact, uh, we're ready to go on that YouTube clip. Uh, Isaiah, I, I tried to get Isaiah here, and he can't. He's busy right now. I tried to get Ezekiel here. He can't. He's leading worship right now in a church. So I thought, what am I going to do, Isaiah? He says, I got a friend that I trust. He's a leader on campus, and he put together a YouTube about the Asbury Revival going on right now. You want me to send that along? I said, yeah, it's about three minutes long, so if we can hear it, if we can play it, let's go for it here. Garber Church, this is Zeke, and I'm in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University, and I just wanted to give you guys an update on what God has been doing. We had our um, chapel service starting at 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, and worship has not stopped since then. It, it's been one of the most incredible things I've ever seen God do. He is in our midst. He is moving. And yesterday, it was super windy outside, and there was a cloud over the horizon that sat above our town. And people that have come in from the University of Kentucky from northern Kentucky, all around the world. The world knows what God's doing here. 
um, they could see the cloud over our town. And that that's just one of the examples of how God is moving among us. And he's healing people. He is saving people. And people are rededicating their lives to Christ. There was a 65-year-old man that one of my friends talked to. And he said, but before this, he, he's a pastor. And he said, I, I didn't believe the Spirit could move in this way. And I, I thought, wow, what a testimony to what God's doing. And revival is spreading. Uh, a professor from Ohio Christian University came down today um, to see his son. And when he got here, he was told that revival had spread back at his campus back in Ohio. And there's there were 50 UK students that popped up last night and joined us in worship. And there's students from all around, people from all around that are coming to see what God's doing. And not even just in the United States, but in Indonesia, people were so encouraged by the news here that they shared the gospel with a group of people and they came to Christ. I have a friend named Gabe who just became a missionary to Paraguay, and he shared with one of the unreached people groups the gospel, and they came to Christ. Like, God is not stopping just in Wilmore. And my prayer that is that he continues to move. He continues to move at Garber, that he just encourages us to realize how good of a God he is. One of my friends told me something, and this really stuck with me. He said, you know, it's crazy that we think this is so weird or different because up in heaven, this this is normal. This is the God we serve. God is still saving people. He is healing people. And who are we to forget? We're just like the Israelites. We forget how good God is. And he's just made himself known in a special way. So I just wanted to thank you guys and give an update. Um, thank you for your prayers. And we just pray that revival keeps spreading and that the name of Jesus is glorified because he's the only one worthy of our praise. So I'm just fired up. I'm about to go take a nap because I'm just worn out from being in there. Um, but I wanted to say, hey, and just join us in praising the Lord for what he's doing today. So thank you, guys. Good, thank you. So we actually had people from Dayspring that were there this week. So kind of by mistake, maybe, or very much not by mistake. Anna was checking out the, the school because, you know, she's checking out a bunch of them because a lot of people want her to come to their school, and we can, we can understand that. Uh, having said that, we're, we're glad that you were there because you're supposed to be checking out the school, but there's this thing going on in the middle of the camp. So real quick, give, give us a quick testimony about what you saw happening. You actually were inside Hughes Auditorium. Yeah, we went for scholarship weekend, and we had all kind of things planned for us by the, you know, by the school. And so we were bound to that. But we got to go in Thursday night about 9 o'clock, and we got to go in Friday during chapel, and we, watched, and we were there for that. And um, I came from a charismatic background, and I, I was expecting one thing, and I got in there, and I saw something else. And what I saw were um, it was peaceful, it was orderly, but there's kids praying with other kids in the in the aisle. There's faculty praying with kids. There's praise going on. And I was thinking about it on the way home. And what I what I the three words I got out of that, I saw worship, I saw confession, and I saw repentance going on. 
And I think the Holy Spirit showed up because of that. So it's just a wonderful thing, and um, I would encourage any of us. I, I was repenting for things I did as a kid on the way home last night. <laughs> I would Confession and repentance, I think, are, the th- are some of the keys there. So it was wonderful. Good. Round of applause for Gary. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for dragging your parents along there. Come on. So what, what we want to say about all this is, listen, we're not, we're not promoting Asbury University necessarily. We're just saying, wow, wouldn't you like to be? So I was with the prisoners this morning. I said, guys, would you like revival? Could you lead my church in revival? Could you be the first ones to say, we want to be revived? Could God bring revival into a prison system, into this place right here, into this room? Could the glory of God, the guy said a cloud. By the way, somebody said this week, that he walked outside of the building and he walked around the building and everywhere he went, the wind was blowing towards the building. Wind was blowing towards the building. A cloud over the... That's what he said. I think he meant it metaphorically. But the the Lord could be special in our place here. If you could do it there, you suppose he could do it here. And so we don't want to gin it up. We're not trying to make it happen because only God can make that happen. He'll come when he wants to come. But this is what I told the prisoners. Today, when you see Patrick Mahomes behind the center, you'll be like this. And the linebacker will be like this. And the third baseman will be like this. And the wrestlers like this. This is the ready position, y'all. This is the ready position. In athletics, virtually every sport has a ready position. No matter what it is, This is the ready position. Good things tend to happen to churches that get themselves in the ready position. We're doing lots of things right here. But I'm just wondering if there's some other things we can do right to get even more in the ready position. And so we got 21 days of fasting and prayer coming up. We've got this uh, prayer and fasting thing. We're going to be doing at Dayspring University. But I would like for you to turn right now to 2 Kings because I think Gary brought some things up that I want to add to. It's 2 Kings 22. And there's all kinds of really great stories of revival in the Bible, as you might imagine. But I love how Josiah puts his entire people in the ready position. God's going to wipe out the nation. He's so ticked off. It is all right. He's so ticked off. He, he, he's had... Uh, Josiah had a grandpa, and they said of grandpa, a guy named Manasseh, that he committed abominations. He did more evil than all the Amorites, any of the Canaanites. He did more evil than them. He misled Judah into sin with his idols. He shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides his sin, into which he misled Judah in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So, that's grandpa. Dad was 22 years when he took over in Chapter 21, verse 20, it says, He did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like his father had done. He walked entirely in the way that his father had walked, which is bloodshed and worshiping of idols and, and, and child sacrifice. He served the idols that his father had served, and he worshiped them. So he, get a load of this, what a horrible, so he abandoned the Lord. He abandoned Yahweh and did not walk in his way. So Josiah takes over, and he's eight years old. 
Let me just say, that's the first line out of chapter 22. Eight years old. Can I say this? I hope we're eight years old. No, really. There is an age thing that happens that's good. There's an age thing that happens that's bad. I'm thinking about the bad part of right now. We get settled in our ways. There's a way to do it. There's a way not to do it. You know, we're, we're prim and proper holiness people, and there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. What if God chooses, what if God's bigger than your way? Let me just ask that, you know. What if God operates outside of your box? What if that would happen? What if the glory of the Lord filled this tabernacle and he did something far beyond our imagination? What about that? Is that possible? So uh, let me just say this. Eight years old, I'm glad I'm not eight years old. And yet I think I'd like to be eight again. Because there is a youthfulness that has nothing to do with how old you are. There's a youthfulness that has everything to do with, have you allowed God to renew your spirit? Do you have, in the best possible sense of the word, an eight-year-old spirit? And I believe God could use a boy like Josiah, and indeed he did. He became king at eight. Look at verse two. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, you talk about getting in the ready position, particularly understanding what his daddy was like what his granddaddy was like, can you imagine him able to do what was right, to walk entirely in the way of the father, David, and not turn aside to the right or to the left? So he says, okay, gets a little older. He says, I tell you what, our temple's a mess. It needs repair. So he gets the high priest to count the money up and to go repair the damage to his house. Look at verse 8. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said, to Shaphan the scribe, I found something. <laughs> Apparently, somewhere during Manasseh's reign, they so disdained the book of the law, the word of the Lord, they just kind of put it in some closet and forgot about it. And Ammon didn't order his life by it. <laughs> There's the book of the law of the Lord, and they lost it. And so they find it. And I imagine that Josiah has no idea what he's talking about. What, what do you mean, the book of the law? What is that? Get a load of this now. Hilkiah says, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And he gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Verse 10. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me this book. Let me read it to you. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, Gary he tore his clothes. You never have revival unless somebody is tearing their clothes. I don't mean tearing your clothes. I mean, that was what they did back then when they mourned their own sin. He felt so bad about his life, about his nation's life, about his family's life. He's aghast. He can't believe we haven't been following God as he told us to follow him in his word. And he tears his clothes. And he mourns. And he weeps. He says, what can we do? So he tore his clothes. Now let's go down to verse 15. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. And this is now they're going to a prophetess. Interesting. Went right by Jeremiah and went to Huldah. I have no idea why. They must perceive Holda as a very wise woman, someone who's in touch with God. Holda, what do we do? Tell the man who sent 
you to me, this is what the Lord says, behold, I'm bringing disaster on this place and on its inhabitants. Disaster's coming. But now, verse 18, last line. This is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says. Regarding the words which you've heard, since your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become an object of horror and a curse. Because you, Josiah, boy king, tore your clothes and wept before me, I have heard you. Let me tell you how the revival in 1970 started. The revival in 1970 started with someone during a chapel standing up and saying, I've messed it up. I have to confess my sin to you today. And he confessed his sin. That doesn't happen in a college chapel much. But it happened that day. And God came down. God said, if there's somebody here crazy enough to confess their sin, I'm coming. I'm coming to meet him. And God stayed there for 144 hours in a very special and unique way. And that is still talked about 50 years later. In the history of Bibles, they talk about one kid standing up and saying, I've sinned. And how that sparked an eight-day revival. They're still talking about it. They might not talk about it after this week because the same thing happened Wednesday. Someone stood up and says, I want to confess sin. And God came. And y'all, that's what happens when a group of people quit sin, we're dressing up and trying to make good appearances to the church folks today, and they're willing to humble themselves and say, I messed it up. I want to confess my sins to God. And, and, and that's a, a big mistake we make. We think, I, I, don't need any, I don't need to confess my sins to any man. Let me just go to God. That's not what the Bible says, y'all. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. And there's no healing. In too many situations, there's not much healing that happens if it's just you and God. There is a body of Christ. And we need to confess our sins to the body and say, I have failed, I have sinned, I have wrong, and I have need of forgiveness. I can't promise you, someone had stood up here today and said that, that there'd be an Asbury revival here today. What I can say to you is God would be very pleased. And what I can say to you is it would build somebody else's faith. Joseph, I remember that day you got up here. My favorite testimony I think of all time. Going up and down the street naked, saying, Jesus is coming. And how God met you there. In the parking lot with your dad, God met you there. And just to be able to say to a group of people, that's my testimony. Naked, going up and down the street, that's my testimony. And to have the whole group say, that builds my faith. If that guy's crazy enough to talk about his nakedness, am I crazy enough to talk about my nakedness before Jesus, my mourning before Jesus? Am I crazy enough to tear my clothes before Jesus? I'm telling you all, that is the stuff of revival. I can't promise you revival will come, but that gets us in the ready position. And regardless of whether the manifest presence of God would come on us, good things would happen. 
And if that happens enough, I believe someday God comes like a cloud over this place where the wind blows into this place from every direction. That's not even possible. And God says, that's right. That's the kind of stuff I do. This is what I struggle with concerning revival. We love to talk about 1970. We love to talk about this week at Asbury. We love to talk about Brownsville. We love to talk about... What I like is fruit. If there are revivals with no fruit, there's no revival. Something happened. But God doesn't want just to bring revival. He wants things to change. And so I said to the guys this morning, look to Romans 12 here real quick. And in Romans 12, for some reason I have written out next to the side of Romans 12, Paul's Sermon on the Mount. I don't think I thought of that. I think I saw it somewhere. I forget who I referenced that to. But this is Paul's Sermon on the Mount, which is to say, here's his bang, bang, bang teaching. And let's start there at verse uh, 9. Um, there's more to it than that, but let's just, let's just you and me start with verse 9. Love must be free from hypocrisy. So be lovers, be free from hypocrisy, day spring. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation. And some of us today has some serious tribulation. Be devoted to prayer. You're saying, ain't no stinking way that 21-day thing for me. No way. 6 a.m., I'm not even putting my coffee on by 6 a.m. Yeah, but maybe a stinking way. Maybe there's some of us crazy enough to say, I'd like to place this church in position for revival. So devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Blessing those who slap you who persecute you, who make you bleed. Bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty. Do not be prideful in mind. Associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. Be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge. What? Wait, what? Never take your own revenge. God's your God. He can take revenge if revenge needs to be taken. You don't have to do it. You got a God bigger. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Give him a drink. Overcome evil with good. When revival comes, and let's just go ahead and claim it now. Revival's coming. It's coming for this church. When it comes, that's What's going to happen? I said to the guys at prison a few moments ago, I said, look around, boys. There's some of you guys that need to forgive somebody else in this group right now. Revival comes when we start forgiving one another. Revival comes when you say, I need to be forgiven. Here's my sin. Revival comes when we forgive, when we're forgiven, when we start... And this is what I said to him. There was a day 
at the detention center in A3. When I said, we always say, accept the Lord and every hand, every hand goes up. How about today we don't do that? I might need Austin to come pick me up here in just a minute. Just How about today we do something a little different? How about the day we just go down before God? Now, this is a prison. The floor's filthy. Who knows what's been happening down there? I said, if you want to do business with God tonight, if you want to accept him tonight, come on down here with me. So I said, I, I can't tell them to do it and not do it myself. So I, I just got down. I said, go ahead, get down, put your nose into the concrete, Put your belt buckle into the concrete. Put your kneecaps into the concrete. Put your toes into the concrete. And repeat after me. Lord. Y'all said, Lord. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I surrender. You have total control. I have no control. The prayer went on, and uh, I got up, went on my way. One of the guys, I asked later, said, you changed, man. He said, well, the thing was, all my life I'd done business with the Lord, and I received him at least 50 times. I said, so... That night, it changed because we went down on the floor. We did that kind of fun thing on the cement thing, the nose down. I said, no, that, that wasn't it. I thought. He said, no, it was that word surrender. I'd never heard it put that way before. Is that not a wave, the white flag to Jesus? And y'all, that's, as far as I can tell, the key to revival. It's tearing your clothes, metaphorically speaking, mourning about your sin. It's asking forgiveness of God and the body and of individuals and of mom and dad and a sister and brother. It's saying, and I forgive you. But finally, it's waving the white flag to Jesus. And when you do that, I'm just telling you right now, you're in the ready position. I want you to know something. I haven't heard clearly from the Lord about this, so I'm, we're not going to do it. But I thought, wouldn't it be powerful to just have a microphone set up and say, let's do that right now. I'm going to tell you, that would be manipulative by trying to make something happen. But that moment's coming for this church where the microphone will be there and you need to come up and say, I've messed it up and I need forgiveness. That moment is coming where you need to look at someone and say, and I forgive you. The moment is coming when you wave the white flag in front of this whole congregation and say, I surrender. That's the stuff of revival. I think there are probably some congregations right now trying to manipulate their way into an Asbury revival. We're not going to do it today. What we're going to do is get ready.
It's coming. Do you believe it? Are you with me? Won't you please stand up and let's, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up our collective lives to you right now. We believe that your special presence is coming for this church, for this town, for this state, maybe even for the nation. We want to put ourselves in position for that. Lord, we're going to look at prayer and fasting in days to come. We're actually going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. But Jesus, that is haywood and stubble if you're not in it. We wave the white flag. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you, my friends. Thank you.